Here, 357. Go up and if you need to, put one right behind his head. We yeah. talked about this ghost bear. How long have you been after this ghost bear? Five years. I just love hunting these animals. That's that's all I care about. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Podcast. All right, folks, welcome to today's podcast. So uh, today is going to be my personal recap of my recent Alaska bear hunt. So um, reason that I'm, I don't have Jess and Steve Gann on here, but, so if, I guess if you're not really familiar, so um, my friends over at Batum 907, Jess and Steve Gann, they uh, host me for my Alaska bear hunt. And, um, and so the plan was to do a podcast with them uh, to recap this, but honestly, I, I, you know, my trip, it was, I, I can't believe you could cram that much into eight days, honestly. And we just didn't really have a spare couple hours to sit down and do a podcast, honestly. Um, most nights were getting in so late, we were just dead tired. And, you know, with the time change and stuff for me, it just didn't really, uh, I was never really uh, awake enough to do one of these. So anyway, what we're doing, um, I'm going to give my recap today. And then later on this fall, we're going to do a joint one where we go over their spring hunt and, you know, kind of recap the whole Alaska season together. So, um, but anyway, so that is the plan. So today though, we're just going over my personal take and on this hunt. So, um, anyway, I guess for those, maybe I'm not, I can't remember if I really explained this before, but, um, Anyway, what, what initially happened, so my plan this year before COVID ever happened was um, I was going to go up to Alaska, peak of the rut, first week of June, and hunt Jess and Steve's bait with them, and uh, that that was the plan. Well, COVID happened, and with Steve's work, uh, you know, he and there was some crazy Alaska regulations and stuff where... Um, and actually, just to recap, Alaska actually closed down their spring hunt for non-residents through the month of May this year. And fortunately, that didn't really affect me because I was flying in. I think my flight left on like May 31st or something. So it didn't affect me, but there was so much going on and Steve's work was kind of screwy and kind of iffy about like quarantining. And so we just said with everything going on, we're going to let's postpone this. You know, it wasn't ideal, but we postponed it. So I was later in June, I think, that we talked again and the plan was to, we kind of agreed, look into schedule of stuff. Um, you know, so we kind of had two windows, I guess. We had either the first week of August or we had the, um, what do you call it? Uh, the end of September. Well, end of September is, you know, I hunt Michigan end of September usually, in which I am this year as well. And I don't know, in my experience, it's always been kind of iffy. No, Jess and Steve, they usually hunt in the spring. And they, you know, they haven't really hunted a lot in the fall. So, you know, nobody really knew what it was going to be like. 
you know, whether early or later or whatever, nobody really knew. And so it was kind of up in the air. And I thought, man, I don't know, with my experiences hunting later in the fall, it usually isn't great. So I thought, well, you know, I baited early August before and that's usually better. So I said, you know what, we're, we're just gonna, let's go early August. That way I can hunt Alaska early August and then hunt Michigan later in September. So that, that was my plan. And that's kind of what you grid on. So, um, so yeah, so Steve got home for, from work and, um, he works uh, remotely. And so he, um, you know, he works kind of a, a you know, shift or whatever. So when he got back from a shift, um, he, they went out and they restarted the bait. I think it was like middle of July. And, um, cause you know, and we'll save this for their, for the podcast we do with them, but they had a successful spring season and, you know, they had sent me trail camera photos from, um, I think the bait ran out in like middle of June or something. And it was just nuts. Right. And so it looked great. Um, I was a little jealous. I'm like, man, I, could have been there, <laughs> but it's all good. But, um, you know, so, you know, they got the bait going middle of July or whatever. And, um, that was kind of the plan. So they got it going and yeah, so my, my plan, I left, I flew out of here July 30th and I stayed through August 7th. So I was up there for about eight days. And, um, and so, you know, in, in, they've never really hunted that time of year and I hadn't either. So we really didn't know what to expect, I guess, at least up there. And, um, and so they got the, they got the bait rebated and all scented up and stuff with their Batum 907 products and everything. And, um, it, the interesting thing about it was it took a while for the bait to get hit. Honestly. Um, you know, they, they went, so the way their bait is set up, um, it's a, it's only accessible by river and they hunt one of the, they hunt one of the units in Alaska that you can bait for black bears. Uh, I forget when, what the actual close dates are, I think, but you know, it, it's through the whole essentially summer. I think you have to pull your baits by September 30th or something like that. Um, you know, way past when I was planning to hunt anyway. So, um, so I don't really know the dates cause it was a, we're way away from the closing date. So, but, um, so, you know, you can bait for bear and there's no close season on black bears up there. Uh, I think in that unit, you're about three black bears per season and you know, there, you can literally hunt them. You can hunt them January 1st if you want it. Not that they're out of the dens, but so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's an interesting place for sure. Um, so, but their bait, it's only the thing, the thing about that unit is that it's only accessible really by float paint lane or river. There's no roads to it. So Justin and Steve access their bait um, by boat, and it's right on the river. Uh, I'm not going to name the river, but yeah. So it's right on the river. Um, and that that's one of the interesting things I think people take for granted about Alaska is, you know, when you're, you're from the lower 48, there's usually roads everywhere that, you know, I know in like the UP, it's pretty where I live. Um, it's pretty remote here, but you know, there's usually some sort of logging road or trail or something within, I don't know, I'm just going to guess three miles of anywhere, right? If you walked, if you wanted to get anywhere in the UP, I don't think you've got more than a three mile walk to somewhere, you know, that's just a guess. Maybe there's somewhere further, but you know, that's, that's my guess. And so, um, you know, but in Alaska, there's only so many roads and 
you know, these basically in order to access some places, you got to have a boat or a float plane. And, um, even then you're still only, you're limited by how far you really want to go into the bush because it's thick up there. You know, it's, it's the boreal forest and, uh, it's, it's some tough terrain to say the least. Um, and so that, that was kind of interesting to see, uh, you kind of, you know, you hear about it and, and you know, I'm saying it, but it's kind of hard to grasp and, until you're there, you go, yeah, wow, you have really limited access into places, you know? So, but, um, anyway, so that'll plan later, but so we, we, their baits right on the river. And so they baited it up. They'd go, I don't know. I'm trying to think how many times often they went. I think they went to the bait three times before I got up in a two-week period. And so you're allowed to use barrels up there. So I filled up the barrel with dog food and some other good stuff. And they mixed it with their sweet surrender that they make, the um, bait sweetener. And um, so they baited up the first time. And the second time they went, the bait hadn't been hit. And they were pretty bummed. I remember them texting me and uh, messaging me and they were, they were bummed. They were thinking, man, you know, they were hoping that it was just going to get smashed because there was already bears in there, you know, three weeks ago. Um, but they weren't sure what was going on and, and, you know, we'll get into that, what happened later. But, um, so they were kind of bummed and then, um, they went back, uh, I think it was two or three days before I flew up, they went back and the bait still hadn't been hit. So it'd been like a week and a couple days, I think, since they put the bait out and it hadn't been hit yet. Um, and, and so there, I think they, <laughs> I felt bad cause I think they were a little stressed out that I was going to fly up there onto a cold bait or something. But, um, what they ended up doing was I, I, they, they decided to sit the bait that night and run a, cause, um, their stand, the way it's set up, it's yeah. So the way the stand's set up there, it's, it's, um, you, you pull up off the river and you go up the bank and the bait's probably a hundred yards away from the river, but the stand is only 50 yards from the bait barrel. And, um, the stand that they were using is a two seater stand. So Jess and Steve could sit together and watch bears and whatever. And, uh, so they, um, and the river you're looking when you, you enter the river from the north side of the bait and you're looking south. So, um, and to the left of the, so to the, um, I guess it would be the, uh, east side of the bait, there's like, uh, there's a little river slough there. And on the opposite side of that is like just thick, thick, nasty swamp bedding area. And the bears tend to come from over there. And then, to the south and to the um, west, it's a little more open, but it's still a pretty thick bush. Um, but the interesting thing about this place is there's a lot of beavers there. Like we were sitting there, we'd hear beavers playing in the water and slap. And the one beaver was really mad that we were there. But um, and the bears feed heavily on the beavers. Actually, when they got back there um, to rebate it, Jess and Steve said they found like five beaver skulls over by the bait, and that was from the bears taking the catching the beavers and bring them over the bait to eat for whatever reason so it was uh <laughs> very very interesting but anyway um so that was the bait setup so what they did is they the the last baits bait baiting run they did for me 
was they they sat there and um, they did one of their attitude adjustment burns. Um, I forget what scent they, oh, it was, um, they have a new scent like strawberry jam, I think it is. Um, I haven't tried it yet, but they, they ran the strawberry jam, um, burn and they let it run for, I don't know, four or five hours, something like that. And if you haven't used that attitude adjustment burn, what it is, is you put in like a sterno burner and in like a coffee can and you just, it simmers and that and it'll let out like a steam and it that's probably their most powerful smell they make um just because it sits there and simmers forever it's, it's basically a honey burn but in a convenient bottle so there's no like smoke or anything like that it's just like a like cloud essentially but it's it really has probably their most powerful scent they have um i use it i've used it i kind of save it as a nuclear option when i run my baits is i don't i don't open a bait or anything with it i just use their normal stuff but if i have trouble um like t back in 2017 i i had I, it was like make it or break it for me um to get a bait going in october and i used a blueberry attitude adjustment i had a bear there within three hours on a cold bait so it's really powerful but i don't like to use it unless i have to so um, but anyway, so they ran that burn. And so that was, that was the last time they ran, a, ran the bait for me before I got, got there. So, um, I showed up, it was, uh, I got there at four o'clock Alaska time and, um, I flew into Anchorage and there, they live in Wasilla. So that's an hour North of there. And then from there, it's another quite a jaunt over to the bait site. So, I told him, I said, um, well, let's plan on, you know, I, I want to know what's going on. So let's, let's head over to the bait site. As soon as they get there, I'll be ready to go. And, um, yes, yeah, so that was the plan. So we, I got to Alaska and, uh, first impressions of Alaska. It's my first time up there. It's just gorgeous. Those mountains are, are something else. <laughs> so, um, terrain wise, like the, at least where I was in South central Alaska, um, the, the woods and stuff look like almost identical to northern Minnesota, um, for those of you from the Great Lakes area, or, you know, most of Canada, too, <laughs> you know, it's all boreal forest, but, um, except, you know, there's an ocean and giant mountains there, so it's really, really pretty place, um, snow-peaked mountains, and, yeah, it's a cool, cool place, but, um, anyway, so, uh, so, we ran up river to the bait site for the first night and go figure the bait was hit. And so <laughs> Jess and Steve were pretty happy. Uh, um, <laughs> I think they were a little worried that I was going to not even see a bear or something. Cause you know, the thing that's going on in early August um, with the bears is that the salmon, um, the silver salmon are run really starting to run really good there. And the pink salmon have already been in there and same with the Kings. The Kings have already been in there too. I think the kings are already are already kind of finished up, but um, the pinks and the silver salmon are running; they're really good. So I think they're starting to get concerned. Like, hey, are we even going to be able to pull bears off this off the salmon onto this bait? And um, but anyway, so we got we got to the bait site, and uh, it was hit really good. Um, the the way they have it set up, they got a barrel, and then they stick logs in the opening of the barrel, so you know if something's been in there and sure enough it was so they the sticks were ripped out and they'd eaten bait and stuff so um yeah it looked good and just kind of the, by the way it got hit um 
you could tell it was a black bear. Um, it wasn't a grizzly because there's definitely grizzlies on this bait. I mean, you walk in and there was some old grizzly scat right on the trail to entering the bait. So, um, so yeah, there's definitely grizzlies around, but we hadn't seen any on the bait. And the way it was hit, it looked like, you know, kind of a, um, it wasn't like, because I guess when grizzlies hit the bait, it's kind of like carnage. <laughs> and uh, um, this was more like a typical black bear hit, you know, kind of pull the logs out, eat some, you know. Um, yeah, so that, that looked good. Now, one of the other complications that was going on was the trail camera, the Gans have two trail cameras on this site and both of them were not taking pictures of bears. Um, and I've seen this on last year. I don't know what's going, what's up with these trail cameras, but, um, last year I had this happen on two of my cameras as well, where it's like trail cameras have almost a shelf life. And after that, it seems like they have trouble taking pictures of bears, like black bears. I don't know why that is. They'll take pictures of us. They'll take pictures of anything going through the bait site. But you get a black bear on there, and it doesn't take a picture of them, even though there's clear evidence that there's a bear on the bait. You know, the logs are pulled up. Like, nothing's going to pull the logs out of a barrel except for a bear. Um but there was no, and there was bear scat, fresh bear scat there, but there's no pictures of bears. And so, um, you know, if you, if you're running a bait site, just a little tip here, if you're running a bait site and there's clearly a bear hitting the bait, but your camera's not getting pictures, you, unfortunately you got to get a new camera. Um, I think that's, that's what I've had to do. And I don't, I don't know why trail cameras do this, but for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like, it seems like after a certain time period, they just stop taking pictures of bears. I don't know if it's their their fur, it's the color, I don't know, um, but they just don't like to take pictures of bears sometimes. So, um, anyway, so that's what was happening to both of their cameras, was we had, this whole time, I'll, I'll, I'll spoil this, the whole time of the trip, we didn't have a single picture of a black bear. <laughs> and so, it was kind of ridiculous, but, um, so we unfortunately didn't have much knowledge of what size bear was coming in or anything like that. So, um, we could kind of tell by the hit, it wasn't a grizzly, but that was about it. So, um, anyways, so that was, I flew in Thursday night. So, um, so we were pretty excited. We, we resented it and stuff. Um, Jess sprayed, the nasty boar spray on the trees and I accidentally rubbed up against some of the brush that had it on. And there, if you don't know, they're nasty boar. It's a mix of things. Um, and it's not really a secret that one of the things is skunk. And I got that on me and I had to throw away that stupid shirt. <laughs> Fortunately it was an old shirt, so it was okay. But yeah, word of the wise, be careful when you're using nasty boar. <laughs> I couldn't get it out. We left it outside and let it go in the rain, and it just, gah, that stuff stinks, 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 but the real stuff. So, but um, anyway, so we left, and uh, that night we went, so before we, because the sun was up till about 11, 1130, about 11.30 every single night. You could see pretty clearly, so... Um, 1130, we, we stayed on the river till about then. And we, uh, we just went fishing, um, that night. 
and uh, it was a good time. We caught quite a few silver, well, here we call them cohos, but uh, silvers, they call them silver salmon up there. So we caught a bunch of silver salmon and some pink salmon, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. So we caught a bunch of fish, and um, yeah, and then we went back, and uh, by that point, I had been up for 23 hours, and so I crashed pretty hard that night, <laughs> um, but it was it was well worth it. I was so excited to finally get it to Alaska. I just there was no way I was sleeping. <laughs> but um, anyway, so um, the next day, plan was to sit the bait um, for the first time. So, um, so we went out and um, just to, let me think here. So, um. So for I, if you were listening to my podcast recently too, um, I said I was going to bring my three thirty eight Win Mag rifle, um, and for the after some hem hawing, I kind of I changed my mind on that too. I decided that um, that because my my three thirty eight I don't have a very reliable scope on it, and it's lost at zero before, and I thought, man with this trip and flying up here, I don't want to, um, I don't, I don't want to risk it, you know, having some sort of malfunction and then I don't have a gun up there and all that. So I brought my old reliable Tika T3 light, um, in 30 out six. So when I was shooting a 180 green nozzler Acubon, so, um, I figured, you know, it's plenty for Grizzlies, you know, it's, it's a good gun and I trust that gun. I, it's super reliable. So, um, it's never lost zero on me. And so I figured, well, I'm going to bring that. So I did happy. I did too. But, uh, so anyway, um, so I forgot what time we got on the bait, three, four o'clock, something like that. It's pretty early considering the sun doesn't go down till, um, 1130, but, um, the thing is with the river travel and stuff, you know, those rivers are pretty dangerous because there's a lot of, they're glacially fed. And so there's a lot of stuff in the water, driftwood and logs and hidden logs that, you know, are at the bottom of the river. And um, so you got to be kind of careful. So we, we would pull out of the bait usually no later than 1030 at night just to give us safe travels down the river. So, um but it's a pretty long sit being at the bay from, you know, three, four o'clock till 1030 at night. But, um, anyway, so the first night we went there and, uh, Jess wanted to sit the bait with me. So, um, I don't think we fished that day at all. I think we just went to the bait that day. So we went and yeah, we just went to the bait that day. So, um, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot going on that day. We just kind of rested and then hit the bait. So, uh, got there and, um, when we went there, it looked what had happened. Oh, so we got there and the bear had hit the bait. Um, it was funny though, because we could kind of tell that the bears weren't feeding heavily by then because we got to the bait and there was some bear scat right next to the tree stand ladder. And you could tell where he came in and it licked. We'd put some Michigan mash um, bear tar on the trees. And you could tell that he came in and licked that. But that was it. There wasn't, he didn't come in and eat any food at all. 
So um, at that point, we, we kind of figured what was going on that, you know, the, the bears just weren't, they didn't need the bait. So they weren't really coming in the bait hard. And that's why it took so long for the bait to get hit initially. So at that point, we kind of were like, well, um, you know, we kind of, you know, we, we knew it wasn't going to be a crazy, crazy bait. Um, but, you know, it was optimistic because obviously there had been a bear hitting it. So um, anyway, so that was, you know, it was good news, but, you know, kind of, um, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't bad news. It was just, you know, okay, that's what we're up against, you know. So anyway, but so that, you know, there was a soft hit, I'll call it, on the bait um, Friday night or Friday. So and we got up the tree. And it was a nice day. Um but in, in the thing too, uh, the weather, um, we knew that that weekend that it was going to start to rain quite a bit. Um, the forecast called for some pretty heavy rain over Saturday and Sunday. And so, um, this is something I didn't know, but according to the GANs, the bears in that particular area are very, um, rain shy. They do not hit baits during the rain. They've sat baits you know, many, many times during the rainstorm and looked at trail cameras and they just don't come in during the rain. And I mean, like Steve was adamant that you could set your watch by it. There was no reason to sit in the rain. So, you know, um, taking local advice, I believed him. So, <clears throat> you know, we knew Friday night was kind of our, our, a good, our only really good shot. So for a few days anyway, so, uh, we sat Friday night and, you know, I, I think if I remember right there, it actually started to rain a little bit towards the evening. And so we kind of got a little pessimistic about what was going Yeah. And it did. That's right. Because we had a, a sketchy, uh, boat ride out cause the fog came up that night. So, um, when it started to rain, we kind of got a little pessimistic about that evening, but you know, we didn't see anything that night anyway, long story short, I don't bore you. Um, not really much happened to that bait that night. So, um, anyway, so the next night, um, so this, that was Friday night. So Saturday night, um, the forecast looked like it was going to, it might rain. Um, and one thing I found out about Alaska is, uh, the forecasts are awful. I mean, everywhere I've ever lived, you know, everybody complains about how the weatherman's wrong and they can't predict the weather well in Alaska wow, can they not predict the weather? <laughs> it was, um, I mean, I, I was b blown away with how bad the weather predictions were. So I'm sorry if you're a weatherman in Alaska listening to this, but wow, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there's some complications in your job. I don't understand, but I mean, wow, you could not count on the weather predictions at all. So anyway, uh, it looked like we might have a window to hunt Saturday night. So we went out to the river and, uh, we, Jess and I sat for a little bit and then it just started to downpour and it was, it was pretty early. It was like only seven, eight o'clock and, and, and just because of the, the sketchy boat ride the night before leaving. And we were worried about the river rising really fast. We thought, well, let, let's call it a night. You know, we, we know the bears aren't going to come in tonight. And, um, so, so let's bail. So we did. Um, and so it was kind of a bummer for me because, you know, I thought, man, you know, I know it's sun tonight 
and Sunday is supposed to rain the whole time, so we're just going to lose a day. And, and, and also, by the way, I forgot to mention, between Friday night when it started to rain and Saturday, the bait wasn't hit at all. Not one bit. It didn't even come in to like lick scents or anything. So we were a little, a little bummed there, like, oh, man, this isn't good. So, you know, it... I don't know. It was, it was, we're, I think we were starting to get a little worried. Like, man, we, maybe we bit off more than we can chew here. These bears really don't leave the salmon, you know? And, um, it's one of those things like we talk about, you know, down here in the UP or, you know, the Great Lakes or anywhere where there's lots of natural foods, you start competing with those really good natural food crops. And those bears just naturally have it ingrained in them to, to stay, to, to feed on that, you know? So, um, anyway, we're, we're getting a little concerned, like, man, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> like, this is, this is really not, this is unusual. We, I mean, we can't even pull a bear under the bait, but anyway, um, so that night we went fishing, um, after we, after we left the bait early, we got, cause where we fish is a lot closer to the boat landing. And so, um, we went fishing and, uh, uh, we did really good that night. We caught I think between the the three of us, we caught about 15 pounds of salmon fillets in like two hours of fishing. So, um, yeah, the, the fishing up in Alaska is unbelievable, just unbelievable. It's, you know, I'm not going to say you don't have great – there's definitely times, you know, I live in the UP, and um, there's definitely times of the year where you can definitely catch a lot of good fish. You know, there's some definitely – good times to fish but typically um a good day of fishing is going out and catching dinner um i don't know it seemed like every time we went out in alaska it was i mean a freezer filling expedition i've never really thought of you know just normal fishing as a way to just load up your freezer but in alaska that's a very real thing um i mean Th between three of us in two hours, we caught 15 pounds of salmon fillets, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it was unbelievable. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not, you know, I mean, it wasn't like the fish were biting every single cast or anything. We'd have to cast a long time to get a fish to bite. Cause there's still salmon running up a river. They're not really eating. They're just, you know, they, they bite at the, the, we were using, um, spinners and, uh, they'd bite at the spinners and, um, you know, they weren't like trying to gobble them down or anything, but, you know, so I mean, it was still fishing. It wasn't, you know, catching per se, but there are so many fish in the water. You can help, but, but get one to bite every so often and, uh, salmon are big fish. So, but I mean, it's, it's crazy. You'd look down in the river and where we were is a little bit clearer there. And, um, I mean, you see a school of 50 salmon swim by, it was just crazy. So yeah, the fishing's just unbelievable, but Anyway, um, so that was Saturday. So we caught our salmon, went back, filleted them up, and um, went to bed that night. And then Sunday, woke up expecting it to be, um, per the forecast, just be pouring cats and dogs. Well, the weather shifted, and it looked not too bad. Matter of fact, it looked like as the day went on, the, the forecast kept changing and changing to where it didn't look like it was going to rain. It, well, the, the chance of rain kept diminishing and diminishing, and I told Steve and Jess, I said, well let's go sit the bait. So, um, anyway, that night, um, we thought, well, let, let's, let's go all out. So I, they, they gave me, um, 
this uh, burn to use. It's called Skullduggery, and it smells like a raspberry donut. Um, it's the best way I can describe it, and it's really, really sweet. But um, And so we said, well, let's, let's do a burn while you sit. So we did that, brought that out, and um, anyway, so that night, though, we switched up a little bit. So um, they essentially, we, we boated off, we, we got to the bait and instead of anybody sitting with me, um, they just sort of, I, I, I got out, I set up the burn, I got in the stand and they went off and hid in a slough somewhere to do, try to fish while I was hunting. So um, I was at the bait by myself that night and um, I went there and the bait hadn't been hit. I'm like, oh man, it's a bummer. So I'm like, ah, oh, this is. I mean, you know, the bears don't hit in the rain, I guess, but still it's a bummer not to see anything, right? Even have anything come in. So, um, anyway, so that night I was sitting there and it was a nice night. Um, I, I don't think it rained at all that night. Um, and so I was sitting there and it was a really nice night. I was listening to everything going on there and, uh, um, and also describe the scenery too. So it's, um, this, you know, even though it's really thick bush around there, the actual stand, um, and the bait are in sort of some older cottonwood trees. Um, um, and cottonwoods are called all kinds of things down here. We call them popples. Um, but up there they're called cottonwoods and, uh, um, and they'd be called aspens down in, <laughs> you know, the, the Rocky mountains. But anyway, um, we'll go with the local lingo cottonwoods. Um, and so it's, it's fairly open, but anyway, I was sitting there and, uh, I was thinking about doing this here podcast. I was thinking about how to explain how I went all the way up to Alaska and didn't get a bear and, you know, trying to, to sell that. And I'm sitting there, you know, writing my, uh, my conciliatory speech about how, you know, the, the salmon run beat us and Alaska's still tough to hunt and this and that. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm sitting there and, um, I heard a, a pine squirrel go off over across the slough in the, um, what do you call it? In the, the like thick alders and willows over there. And I thought, you know, I've sat quite a number of hours at the stand already. And I thought, Hmm, well, that's the first time I've heard a pine squirrel over there, you know? And as I've said on this podcast before, pine squirrels, don't like bears and uh, they will bark at bears. Um, and that's what this pine squirrel was doing is it was barking. It was over in the, the alders on the other side and thought, Hmm, well, that's interesting. I bet you there's a bear over there. And, um, and so I was, I kind of, you know, took note of that, but I just sat there quietly and, uh, kind of like I always do. So I, you know, when I sit in the stand, I prop up my rifle. So it's on the rifle rail, um, to where all I got to do when, when something walks in is I lift the rifle to my shoulder. I don't take it off a hook or anything like that. I just try to minimize my movement. And, uh, and so anyway, so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, as I'm thinking about how there's not going to be a bear coming in, all of a sudden I look and there's a good black bear that pops his head over by the barrel and went, oh man, oh man, this is going to happen. <laughs> this is going to happen. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, so this bear comes out and, um, I couldn't quite see all of it at first. 
And, uh, and so I got my rifle ready and this bear had no idea I was there. Um, the wind was good in my direction. Um, yeah, I was blowing and I was switching between the east and the west. So this bear had no idea I was there. Um, and so, um, anyway, this bear came out and started going to the barrel and, uh, it got to the barrel and, um, I don't believe in letting bears eat when I'm sitting in the stand. So, um, anyway, he, he was broadside and I got a look at him. I'm like, yep, that's a definitely a good enough bear for me. And, uh, so I waited and I, sh um, put my crosshairs on, um, just forward of the middle of the middle and pow. And, uh, this bear jumped and ran about 10 yards and rolled over and let out a big old death moan. And that was the end of that. And, um, and so, um, and this was only, this was at seven o'clock Alaska time. And so I was like, yes, I was so pumped, so pumped. And, uh, oh man, I, I was just pumped. And, um, uh, and so I, you know, I, I got down and, um, uh, so, so, you know, I, I well, so anyway, so Jess and Steve left me with their garment in reach and, um, you can send texts on that. And, uh, so I, I sent them a text, but I thought we had, we kind of timed it and took like half an hour for Jess to even get it when she had service. And I thought, and I assumed they had, I didn't know where they went. And I assumed that they had gone fishing over by back by the landing. So I'm like, well, it's going to take her half an hour to get the, the text. And then it's going to take them another hour to get to the bait. So, um, yeah, I got a minute. So <laughs> I said, well, I'm not going to wait for them. I'm just going to, you know, this is not my first rodeo. So I'm going to go take care of this. So I was getting down, I sent the, the text, um, and, uh, on the in reach and I got down and, uh, I, for I forgot to mention this too. Um, <laughs> it was funny because, uh, you know, you'd think when I tell you that there's, a uh, um, that you're at a boat in only access bait, you know, for somebody in the lower 48, you think, man, this is like a really remote spot. Like you're going to be all by yourself in the wilderness. That is the furthest thing from the truth. I'm not even exaggerating. This bait site is the loudest bait site I've ever sat. I mean, every 10 to 20 minutes, there's a boat going by because these, the, the rivers in Alaska, they're highways and to top it all off, you got planes going overhead too. And so I didn't know which way Jess and Steve went, you know? And so I just, you know, I just knew boats were going by and I didn't know if they had gone, you know, one way and then turned around with the other. I had no idea what they, what had happened to them. So, um, even, I mean, even like 20 minutes before I shot my bear, there was a float plane that was kind of like buzzed the tree line down, like through the river corridor, but was like right around the tree line. I mean, it went flying right by my bait, like 20 minutes before I shot my bear. So, I mean, you know, I have no idea where they're at. But anyway, I say all that to say I got down and uh, started getting my stuff together, started getting my harvest ticket together and my locking tag out. And um, and and uh, what I did to I'll, I'll post a video of this, but what I did to get my bear out. So I've done this before, but I have a, a good climbing rope and I've got um, I forget what those are called. They're not a they're not really a D ring. They're um. Uh, I forget what they're called, but they're, they're a repelling ring anyway. 
and um, I tie the rope through one one of the. It's got like two loops through it. It's a it's a stainless steel loop, um, double loop ring, I guess you'd call it. And so I tie a knot on one ring, and then what I do is I wrap the the rope around the bear's neck, and then I pull it through the D ring, so it almost works like a noose. So it tightens as I pull, and I just drag it out like that. So. Um, so anyway, I went and, uh, by the time I got down though, <laughs> and was getting my tag together, all of a sudden I hear a bolt buzzing up. I'm like, Oh, Oh, I guess Jess and Steve are, are, were close by. And, uh, I was surprised they got there. Well, anyway, they came up and, and I guess they were just up to up on a different slough, not too far away. And they heard my gunshot go off. So as soon as they heard it go off, they ran, they boated over. So, um, anyway, so that was pretty cool. Um, but we, uh, so, so we got everything together and we went and just walked up on the bear. It was, you know, right where I saw it fall down 10 yards away. So, um, yeah, so we notched on my harvest ticket and got my locking tag on it. And, uh, uh, we don't, they don't like to gut the bears at the bait site because it alerts the bears in case you want to hunt it again. So we, uh, we just got the, my rope mechanism on there and I, I, per, I drug it out, um, and, uh, had to avoid some grizzly scat and, I didn't get my barrel dirty and uh, got it over and loaded up on the boat and um, boated out of there. And that is uh, that's the video I posted on my Instagram story <laughs> that night that I shot the bear. I posted a video of the bear in the front of the boat, and uh, a few people noticed and were like, "Is that a bear?" <laughs> so, but um, anyway, so then we took it to we. There's a there's like a little sandbar beach they take their bears to usually and got them out there and uh we did that and um brought the bear back to the boat landing and back to their house and i stayed up late into the night skinning it out and uh because what I, I like to do is i like to skin my bears that night so i get the meat cools off pretty good and uh the the temperatures there were beautiful but the highs were you know in the mid 60s to low 70s the lows were anywhere from 50 to 45 so i think that night it got down in the 40s so it was it was like perfect for to cool it off and um so anyway I, we skinned it out that night and uh um oh and before before we uh before we left the the gut pile though what we did was um, we were really curious to see what was go- what this bear was actually eating because we were speculating was it on the berries because there was some high high bush cranberries that were starting to come ripe and stuff. So I thought, well, let's find out. So we cut the stuff, I cut the cum- stomach open, and um, the bear had been feeding on grasses and salmon because there was some salmon row in there. So that solved the mystery. The bears had been on the salmon. Um, and that's why they weren't really hitting the bait that much is because they were feeding on the salmon. So, which was interesting because we didn't really think the salmon timing was great for them to be eating it yet, but I guess they were. So, um, anyway, so that was that we, uh, got the bear and, um, and then the next day we spent the day processing it and, you know, cause I had to fly back with it. So what we did is we deboned it all. Except for I left the shanks um, bone in still because that was pr- they're pretty small and I don't know when you bone out a, a shank it's like you don't get you don't I don't feel like it's worthwhile to debone them I mean it is there's some meat on I wouldn't like throw them away if you had no other choice but you know I really like to leave the bone on there because then you get all the 
all those tissues in there break down or they're just perfect for roasts. So I really, I mean, if I, I really try to avoid deboning the shanks. So that's what I did. Um, so I left those bone in, but everything else was deboned. Um, so no, no bone in hams for me or anything this time. And, uh, from this bear anyway, but, um, so we, we, um, processed it all up and we, mo honestly, most of the bear I ground, just for ease of bringing it back and honestly what i like to do with my first big game animal of the year um i like to grind it up quite a bit because ground meat lasts a lot longer in my house than other things um because you can mix it with things like hamburger helper sloppy joes nachos spaghetti you know whatever and that lasts a lot longer so for some reason you have a bad year um you can make your game meat last a lot longer if you just grind it up versus, you know, stake it all out, make it all into roasts or hams or whatever. You eat that stuff up so fast. Um, and so with my first big game and I'm always grind it up that way in case I don't get anything else throughout the year, at least I've got, and that's only happened like once, but, um, if I don't get anything else, I, uh, at least I've got, you know, the meat will be spread out somewhat. So, um, so that's what I did. I mean, we had the, the bone and shanks and I left the back straps whole and stuff too, but, um, I mean, cut up in sections, but you know, I didn't grind those, but, um, or, or the tenderloins either. Um, so yeah. And then we vacuum sealed them and threw them in the freezer. Cause the plan was to, um, put the meat into fish boxes that you can buy up there at any store. Um, they're, you know, they're size where if you load it up, you get, they don't, well, the fish boxes I bought didn't get you 50 pounds. They got you about 35 to 40 pounds of meat in there, the way I had to pack it, but that's all right. So, um, but, um, you could load it up with meat and, uh, fly it home that way, just vacuum sealed. So that's what I did. And that was the bear hunt other than, um, we took to save on shipping costs going home. What I did was I took my bear hide to, a taxidermist there and I um I'm having him tan the bear and then ship the hide to me that way I didn't have to try to ship a hide home so that and that worked out way better um way better than trying to ship a bear hide home so so that was fine um yeah so that was that concluded the bear hunt it was um awesome hunt and now the bear itself um got to mention the bear itself so um the bear is a boar um he he honestly he, he we calculated he weighed about 195 pounds was the weight we calculated based on the boneless meat we got so um that's what we figured um now the thing about the bears up there um, kind of, you would think that, you know, Alaska, there's, they're all monster bears and, and everything. But the thing is the, the growing season shorter up there, you know, there's winters are hard and, and, you know, bears don't have as long to eat. And also they don't have a, as much access to good foods as, as the bears like down in the lower 48 do. So in a lot of areas, so they don't get the weights like they do up north or, you know, like around in Michigan or Wisconsin or something. So based on this bear's paw size and its head, um, we figured that, you know, I, I guessed that this bear would, you know, be somewhere in the mid 200s if it was down in like Wisconsin or something. But 
Um, you know, it was a nice boar, but it just didn't have any fat on it. And, you know, it just didn't have as big of a body as, as a lot of bears would down here. So, but regardless, I was, I was thrilled. I wasn't, I was never going up there for a monster bear. I was going up there for, you know, a good bear. I didn't want to shoot. I, I told Jez and Steve, I wasn't, I wasn't going to shoot, you know, where I'm at with my, my, my bear hunting, um, he say career, but you know, my, my bear hunting, life we'll call it i you know i'm not gonna shoot uh a yearling you know i'm not knocking anybody that does if you do i mean i've definitely shot yearlings before but um you know i you know i just you know i'm not really interested in shooting a, a bear that's only 100 pounds i'm just not you know um that's just where i'm at uh but you know so I was never going to go shoot a tiny, I didn't want to shoot a small bear, but I, I did, I, you know, I wasn't also going to shoot a monster Boone and Crockett bear either. I, you know, I just wanted to go shoot a decent bear in Alaska, get some meat and really just enjoy the experience. And so, um, I was, I was thrilled with the bear I got. I really was. Um, and so, yeah, that was very, very exciting. I was, I honestly couldn't have been happier. I mean, I, I don't think even if I would have shot a bigger bear, I would have been any happier. You know, it was just great, great, great bear for me. So it was, I mean, really the perfect Alaska hunt for me. So um, it was just an adventure and, you know, the the river hunt like that was just really cool and different for me and just an adventure in and of itself. And uh, yeah, it, it was, it was great. So um yeah, that that was it. Oh, and the um, couple other things on on the hunt before I move on to other stuff. Um, uh, so for any bullet junkies, um, nozzler acubons. Um, I, I like to call them nozzler bombs because when they hit stuff, it they blow up. <laughs> um, I shot this bear through both ribs, double lunged it. You know, I mean, I, I think it, I don't even know why it ran. I don't know how it ran, but um, it left, um, well, when I shot it, there was, um, like lung blood all over the bait barrel, um, from, from the gunshot. I mean, there was probably a three inch diameter hole in the opposite rib. I mean, it was just explosive almost. So, um, you know, if you're looking for a bullet that'll kill stuff dead, um, not sponsored by them or anything, but, um, yeah, if you want, um, a really powerful bullet <laughs> that'll just, you know, Helen Keller could follow blood trail. Um, I r recommend Nosler Acubons for sure. Um, but the, th the warning with them though, is do not take shots. Like if you got a quartering away shot, um, where you're pointing at the opposite shoulder, I mean, you're going to lose that whole shoulder if you shoot with an Acubon. So just warning, <laughs> I mean, you will, I mean, you will obliterate the other shoulder. So, um, if you're going to take a shot with an Acubon and you really care about the meat, um, you know, your minimal meat loss is going to either be a neck shot, like a, you know, headshot, neck shot, or, um, through both lungs where it's perfectly broadside. So, um, just a fair warning for anybody using those. Um, but fortunately for me, I went through both ribs and um, lost a minimal amount of meat, thankfully. But there was a lot of coagulated blood I had to clean up and stuff. So 
Um, they're not a clean bullet. Let's put it that way. Um, if you shoot like Barnes tip triple shocks or, um, you know, triple shocks, they're a lot cleaner of a bullet. Um, but I've heard of issues where they don't open up and stuff too. So, um, I've never heard of a Nosler Acubon not opening up, but they also leave all kinds of damage. So it's, it's kind of, it's up to your personal preference. So, but anyway, um, so that was that, um, let me look at my list here, make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, no, that pretty much covers my bear itself. And so that was Sunday. And so Monday we spent pretty much all day processing the bear and just honestly relaxing a little bit. Um, and then Tuesday, Tuesday we spent, yeah, we spent, oh no, Monday night we also had Crazy Bob come over. That's right. So, oh, I'm going to save Crazy Bob stories for when I do this with Steve and Jasper. Yeah, well, that'll be a yeah, little teaser. We'll, we'll talk about Crazy Bob next time. Let's just, uh, I'll just give you a little sneak peek. Crazy Bob is their neighbor. He doesn't even know he's called Crazy Bob, but... I think if you told me it was called Crazy Bob, he would just smile and be like, yep, I sure am. But uh, <laughs> anyway, he, um, I asked him, I said, Bob, how many grizzly bears have you shot? And his response was, I stopped counting 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's the kind of, he was, uh, he was, a, I, I almost turned on, started recording a podcast with them, but, but Jess talked me out of it. Cause, uh, there would have been a lot of editing, a lot of editing, not just from swear words either. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, funny, funny, cool guy, very interesting stories. But, uh, anyway, he came over to hook me up with some, grizzly meat, which I was very, very excited about. That was one of the, the missions I wanted to do in Alaska was I wanted to try grizzly bear meat. And I'm not going to spoil it too much on here, but I will give a, a few sneak peeks. So um, this week I'm going to release a YouTube video. Uh, it's called, What Does Grizzly Bear Taste Like? Or Is Grizzly Bear Edible? Something like that. And um, I was fortunate enough to try two different grizzly bears while I was up there. And... Um, I have cooked in all manner of different ways. And if you want to know what my take is on it, um, check out my, the YouTube video. Um, you know, I will spoil this. So I don't want, I don't want to leave people hanging. Um, I fully believe that you should salvage your grizzlies. Um, I mean, I guess I haven't tried every single grizzly bear, um, you know, but I feel like even bad grizzly bears, I, I, I think if you make them in a sausage, some, at least some of it's salvageable. I really believe that. Um, you know, I'm sure somebody could prove me wrong. There's just some awful, awful bear. Maybe that's true, but I got a feeling there's a lot of people wasting grizzly meat that is perfectly edible and not just edible, but good. So, um, anyway, that's, that's my take on that. So, um, anyway, but I'll have a YouTube video on that. Cause, um, yeah, anyway, 
so that was Monday night. Tuesday night, we just kind of um, laid low because, or Tuesday, we just kind of laid low because Wednesday, we got a charter out on Prince William Sound to go halibut fishing. And um, so we had to get up pretty early, early and that was an all-day thing. So we went out of Whittier, uh, the town of Whittier, and that was an amazing trip. Um, Prince William Sound is absolutely beautiful. Uh, it looks a lot like, um, I've never been to Southeast Alaska, but I suspect that's what it looks like. Um, and it was just beautiful. It's all, you know, it's the Pacific Ocean. And uh, so we went out that day and, um, excuse me, and it further cemented my uh, my belief that um, fishing is a whole nother ball game in Alaska. Cause we went out fishing that day. And I think between the three of us, between the halibut, we caught the salmon that we caught the rockfish and the cod. I think our tally was a hundred to 120 pounds of pure fish fillets, prime fish fillets straight out of the ocean. So, um, it was unbelievable. So we had caught, we went way out deep. They took us, it was like a three hour boat ride to the spot we went. And then it was, we went way out deep. I mean, that water is deep. These, you know, cause it's like, you'll see the mountains and it'll drop down into like fjords where, you know, you'd, you'd, if you were in a lake, you'd think you were in like 40 feet of water, but the depth finder says like four or 500 feet. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty cool out there. But, um, we'd go and we would catch, uh, we went out deep for halibut we were catching, um, we all caught our big halibut cause the regulations where we were, um, you're allowed to keep one halibut over 32 inches and one halibut less than 32 inches. I, I don't know if you keep two halibut under 32, but you can only keep one big one for sure. So, um, so we all caught our, our big halibut and a bunch of cod. And, um, and so we, we, the charter captain was like, well, let's, uh, let's go salmon fishing. So we went, we went back towards the town and we went salmon fishing and, um, and nobody, I think there was only one person that caught their smaller halibut at that point. And, uh, so anyway, I was, I was using a salmon, a rod set up for salmon. It was just a spinning rod with a jig on it. And, uh, I hooked into <laughs> what felt like a kitchen cabinet and I started to reel up and I ended up catching a right on the dot, 31 and a half inch halibut on a spinning rod. And that was, uh, that was probably the toughest fish fight I've ever had. That was ridiculous. It felt like you were reeling up a kitchen sink or a kitchen cabinet. It was just crazy a kitchen cabinet that could swim away <laughs> so that was a really good time but so we did that um and then i caught a 12 pound silver that day uh and yeah we just i i limit uh, i limited out on on my fish that day i caught my three salmon my three silver salmon my two halibut my one rock fish and a whole bunch of cod. And so I, I, I had a good day that day. So it was, it was a blast. And uh, word to the wise, we found this out. Um, silver salmon cohos, um, they really like anise. Because um, we had taken, somebody had told us this. So we suspect this or something. I don't know how Jess knew this, but we, um, 
we took out just some anise smear, just some bear bait, you know, like typical anise smear for, for bears. And we were putting that on our, on our bait for salmon. And we started out where none of us were using it and we didn't, we weren't really hooking into salmon at all. And then one person started to use anise and they started to catch salmon. And so then two people tried the anise and then both of them were catching salmon and nobody else was catching salmon. And then basically all of us started to use the anise and everybody started catching salmon. And then it was just nuts. We were landing doubles. And I mean, I went, once I started, once I personally started using the anise, I went, I, I caught my limit in 20 minutes. <laughs> Whereas I fished like an hour before that and didn't catch a single salmon. I mean, I'd, I'd, I had one bite, but they didn't like commit to it. Whereas when I put the anise on, these things were swallowing the jigs. It was crazy. And I caught a 12 pound silver, which is a huge silver. So, um, yeah, that was, that was awesome. So, uh, word of the wise, if, you know, we haven't really tested out on much else, but we do know that if you're like really into coho or silver salmon, I haven't tried it in Michigan either. I just know this worked on, on the Pacific and Alaska, but, um, they really liked just, your typical Batum 907 anise smear. You just put it on your bait or your, even your, your lure. Um, and I mean, it was dramatic to the point to where the, the, the charter service bought some. <laughs> so, I mean, they were that, they were, I mean, it was weird. So anyway, yeah. So we, so yeah, we, we did that that day and came back and uh, we got a ton of fish. And so, um, so that was Wednesday and then, so I was flying out Friday. So Thursday we just, um, Steve and I, um, would, we vacuum sealed off all the fish and cut them up to size and froze them and, uh, basically got cleaned up and ready to go home. And then Friday was on my way. And so, um, what I did to fly home, cause I got this question lots so far is, um, to bring the meat home was very, very easy. All I did was we had, um, all I did was I had the bear meat already frozen and vacuum sealed. I vacuum sealed all the fish and got it mostly frozen. And, um, I put it into, I bought three fish boxes and I filled them up with fish and bear and I taped them all shut really good. And I marked them with my name on it and I name and address and I brought them as my check bags and that was it. So, um, just checked them in on your flight and no big deal. And, um, during the flight, so my, you know, I, I knew they were totally frozen when I left and, uh, my flight, uh, it's probably in airports for about eight to nine hours, let's say nine hours. And in that time period, um, my, by the time when I opened up my boxes, when I got home, which is probably 10 hours later, to be honest, cause we stopped for dinner and everything. Um, when we got home, I opened everything up. I mean, the stuff was still pretty well frozen. I mean, some of it was partially unfrozen by this point, but not bad, not bad. Nowhere near like, oh man, I hope it isn't spoiled, <laughs> you know? So, and, and as proof of that, I've eaten some bear and I've eaten some halibut and some salmon and it's all been fine. So yeah, but, uh, that was the trip. Um, yeah, and uh, I'll be honest, I'm uh, kind of in the 
the like post adventure like downs right now it's well it's sad it's over <laughs> so but i mean the good news is i have another bear hunt this year i've got my michigan bear season coming up and um i'm gonna start baiting here in a couple weeks i'm really looking forward to that so but uh anyway yeah it was a good time um i mean fan fantastic time um just un unbelievable um i would you know if anybody has the chance to go to alaska i would highly recommend it um now for like hunting up there like uh, what i did you know not everybody's going to be able to do what I did because, you know, I, you know, Steve and Jess are my friends and they really hooked me up and let me hunt their bait. And, you know, and so not everybody's going to have the opportunity. I understand that, you know, um, the biggest, the biggest challenge with going up to Alaska is just the access, you know, like I was saying earlier, the, you know, if you live in the lower 48, there's usually roads everywhere. Not, I mean, not everywhere, but within a walking distance, right? But, um, you know, you couldn't, it, it's hard. Oh, I want to put this. You, you gotta have, it's hard to get access to stuff, you know, like, um, you know, even in springtime, I mean, it's definitely doable to go on a walking off the road spot and stock hunt, but I wouldn't recommend anybody go up there by yourselves and try to do a baited hunt unless you got a lot of time and you know a way to access you've really researched how to access areas i mean you can bait off the road lots of people do you know but it's going to be there's going to be competition and stuff um so and you can only bait you know most areas that are accessible by the road i i think you can only bait through june 15th or june 30th so it's not like unlimited so you can only go in the spring so um, you know, it's doable, but it's not, you know, you got to really have a lot of planning and stuff into it. So, um, you know, just if you're going to do Alaska as a, as a hunting trip like that, just, you got to really do your research. Cause if you just go up willy nilly, I don't think you're going to be successful because there's so the access is very challenging. Um, especially to get to good quality areas where there's good animals. So, um, yeah, that's, I guess that's my thing is if you're going to go up to Alaska, really put some thought into how you're going to get to where you want to hunt, you know, cause it may not be accessible by road, you know? Um, but yeah. And if you are going to hunt the road, just really, really research what you're doing there. So, um, but yeah, Alaska is incredible. Um, it, it really, really is. And I'm super, super thankful that Jess and Steve for hosting me and, you know, helped me to honestly fulfill one of my dreams. It was uh, something I wanted to do for a long time, and I'm really happy I got to do it. So very, very blessed and thankful. So, um, yeah, but uh, anyway, um, trying to think here. Some other things I want to talk about with this. Um, yeah, I'm. so, I mean, I definitely plan on, on going back to Alaska eventually here. Um uh, you know, in the future, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd go up there bear hunting again, just because you know, and, and it's not that the bear hunting isn't good up there, but um, I mean, I don't even want to say it because I'm who knows, I may go in the future, you never know. But you know, uh, some I, I want to point out to people that I found 
now that I've traveled a lot for hunting, I've traveled to Ontario, I've traveled to Michigan, I've traveled to Wisconsin, I've traveled to Minnesota, all for bear hunting. And um, one thing I found is the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? Like you look at you look at um, the hunt we did, and it was tough. You know, the salmon were running, the bears, it's not like it's, you know, you see the videos of Alaska and it looks like there's just a gazillion bears on the baits all the time and everything. And that's probably true in a lot of area in some areas and at some times of the year, but it's not like, you know, if you go and lay, fall asleep with a jelly donut next to you, you're going to have 50 bears surrounding you, you know? And I think a lot of people get, um, caught up in, in, thinking that the grass is greener on the other side and that, you know, that their home state or province sucks and they need to hunt somewhere else because that would make, that would be so much better. And so they'll scoff at hunting where they are to travel somewhere else because they want to travel somewhere else because it looks so much better on YouTube. And, you know, something I've, I guess, learned, one of the biggest takeaways I've learned is to appreciate what you have where you are. You know, because going traveling hunting is challenging and expensive. Um, and, you know, you, you, I mean, even do it yourself. Sometimes do it yourself is more expensive than like going with a guide or something, you know. And, um, you know, and it's not always necessarily better either. Like, to be honest, I mean, I can put together um, a fantastic do-it-yourself Michigan hunt right out my back door, you know. Honestly, I mean, even hunting like Wisconsin and Minnesota and Ontario, it's not like those hunts were um, unbelievably better than Michigan. I mean, they might have been a little better, but was it worth the effort to like, like, would I ever give up hunting Michigan to only hunt somewhere else? No way. No way. You know, I, I, there's something special about hunting where you are you know, and appreciating what you have, because that gives you more opportunities and it's much more economical than it is to travel other places, you know? And I, I, I worry that sometimes people get caught up in this social media world where they see everybody posting stuff and they think, man, you know, I don't even think it's worth it to hunt here. We just need to go over here. In reality, where you're at may be fantastic and you just need to figure out how to utilize that yourself. You know, like, um, like I was sitting up in Alaska and I thought to myself, you know, this is, this is great. This is fun, but you know, so is Michigan, <laughs> you know, like my third season UP hunts, which are, you know, junk tags to a lot of people. Um, it, it's a fantastic hunt. It can be a fantastic hunt and it can also be really hard and it's not always great. Sometimes it's fantastic though. So, you know, you just gotta, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not saying this to say that like my hunt was bad. Obviously it's super successful, you know, but you know, I went up there and I thought, you know, it isn't, it isn't like you see in the videos, you know, I mean, and, and admittedly, this was not the perfect time of year for me, right? Like we didn't, we didn't, we were fighting against the salmon we were fighting against the berries, you know, it wasn't the spring during the rut. Cause I mean, you know, Jess and Steve, a few weeks ago had, I think 10 different bears on their bait, you know, and they were coming out all kinds of times during the day and it just looked awesome. Right. But, um, you know, so it, they, it's obviously awesome there, but I thought, you know, 
is is the is it worth like I just I just hope that you know people are looking at not looking at social media and seeing things like that and going, man, it's not even worth hunting where I'm at. I just need to hunt. You know, I need to go here. I need to go here, and that's it's fantastic because that's not always true. Like hunting in Wisconsin last year, you know, it was it was awesome. It really was, and there were some good bears there. But it wasn't so incredible that I would ever give up Michigan. You know, and you know, um, it just yeah, I I just. I just want people to know that, you know, it's, it's not, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, you know, and to value where you're at, because where you're at probably offers some pretty incredible opportunities. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's areas in the world. And I mean, you know, there's gotta be, cause you see it on, on YouTube and, and hunting channels and stuff where, you know, there's 20 bears on the bear bait at once, you know, but there's probably like 10 places, <laughs> you know, anywhere where it's like that. Whereas most places in mo, I mean, even in, in these great hunting States, right? Like I, like, um, somewhere where you see videos that where there's a bajillion bears on the bear baits, like Saskatchewan or, or Manitoba, right? I'm going to bet you that the vast majority of baits in Manitoba are equally as good as a bear bait in the UP. There's some areas where it's much better, but I'm going to bet that it's, you know, not so much better that it's worth throwing away an opportunity in your own state, you know? So anyway, I just, I just want people to ponder that a little bit. Cause, uh, I hear that a lot where people are like, oh, I'm not, I don't even bother hunting my state. I don't even bother hunting Michigan. I only hunt Wisconsin because it's so much better or whatever. And, um, or, you know, and I, I just don't want this platform to be where people think that where they're at isn't good enough, you know, because in all the hunt place I've hunted, I w- there's nothing I've ever encountered that would make me think, man, I'm not going to hunt Michigan ever again, <laughs> you know, not even close. If anything, I go, Michigan isn't so bad. <laughs> Michigan's actually pretty good. So anyway, um, that being said, Michigan sucks and never apply there because I don't want any of you people taking my tags. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, but no, um, um, that being said, Alaska was incredible and I definitely want to go again. Um, I want to go shoot a moose because I ate one of them too while I was up there. I tried some of that and that is some good meat. I've heard, you know, that I think it depends on how you handled the moose meat, but if you handle it well, man, oh man, is that some good eating? Wow. I could eat, I could eat moose meat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's that good. So yeah. Um, I, I should probably turn this into the bear and moose hunting podcast and go on a moose trip, but yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got for this one. Like I said, we're going to do another podcast with Jess and Steve when they got time and we're going to um, go into this more and, and get their side of the story and behind the scenes and talk about crazy Bob and all that good stuff and have them a lot more laughs. But uh, anyway, that's how my trip went and uh, super thankful to be able to do it and um, very blessed. So, all right, guys, have a good night and catch you next time.